Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. it's official i am engaged i'm engaged i can't wait because my current partner my previous partner the house i'm currently living in is no longer working out there is constant landscaping, gardening, construction going on as people get ready to live their best lives this summer. And I live on 0.13 acres, which means my neighbors watch me make dinner. I watch them watch TV. It's too close for comfort, especially now that I am recording from home where I have to time the recording times around when the contractors take lunch breaks or after they finish work for the day at 4.30, which doesn't usually time out with my kids' sports schedules. So that's just one of the reasons why my current partner and I are breaking up. And I am so excited to say that I am engaged to a lovely dream space in Connecticut on 15 acres. I hope to never hear another leaf blower again. But here's the problem. Here's the problem is that we don't have a date. So I don't have a date for breaking up with my current partner. Even though we've sold the house, it's still a little up in the air. And I don't have a date for marrying the new partner, the beautiful dream house that's everything I could have asked for and lots more things I didn't even dare to dream about. I'm so excited. I can't believe we got it after looking for a year and a half and losing no less than six places with astronomical bids, no inspection, waiving everything. I can't believe we've got a home, but there's a catch. Does there always have to be a catch? This is what I'm asking myself. The catch is we made the offer. No contingencies. 
no inspection. I had to sneak an inspector in there on my second um, visit to the house. And my real estate agent told me to pretend he was my cousin. Well, he showed up not looking like a cousin. He showed up looking like an inspector. And he checked that place out and he said the house was phenomenal. So I waived inspection. I even waived my husband seeing it. That's right. We put an offer on a home that my husband has never seen. It was well over ask with no contingencies and nobody has seen it but me and my realtor. Okay. Okay. Leap of faith. Then they accepted the offer, but they have not signed the contract. We signed the contract days ago and they still have not signed it. So I feel like I've asked them to marry me. And they're just stringing me along and I can't buy a dress. I can't pick the venue. I can't make any plans. And of course, you know, I want to make plans. I want to pick out the perfect rug and measure for the bookcase and decide if I want to buy their vintage Victorian pool table, which is probably a no because we don't play and it just takes up so much room, but it's so gorgeous. It just belongs in that space. So I feel that even though I'm not running to Connecticut every weekend to check out four different houses and being disappointed or, you know, hoping against hope that maybe I'll get something, now that I've got it, do I really got it? I don't know. So I'm still exhausted. I'm still frazzled. But I've been saying with confidence, you know, showing my family the listing and saying, this is our house, showing my kids. We're sort of talking about their paint colors, telling my friends and family, this is where we're headed. The one thing I do know is you guys have been writing in with fabulous new questions. So now, while the landscapers are at lunch, I don't hear anything right now. Let's get in those questions before the jackhammering of my neighbor's pool and the leaf blowing of my neighbor's garden begins again. Okay. First question comes today from Alicia. Alicia is writing all the way from Redondo Beach, California. And she says, hi, Betsy. I'm hoping you can help with our main living area. We've recently moved and what used to be the dining area with a sofa and a chandelier above to create a bigger seating area, we've now made entertaining. When we first bought the house, it was very glam with crystal pendants and fixtures. I hated it. It was not me. I like a cozy feel to a home. Though I am stuck with a lot of silver hardware throughout the house, the only thing that remains that is glam is the chandelier, which I'm happy to get rid of. But I would like to warm up the wall color from the bluish gray to a grayish or even a white. My problem with the furniture is I don't know what goes together and I don't know what doesn't. All furniture and rugs have been bought at different times, so some are newer than others, which I fear makes nothing pair well. We desperately need a new sectional sofa, and although we have a very active puppy and children with sticky fingers, I still feel like I want to commit to buying that new piece. Can you help me with the color of a sofa and sizing? Can we go any longer on the chaise, or will this make the room appear too small? What about the rustic iron and wood coffee table? Does that need to go? The Union Jack Ottoman needs replacing as well, but I have no idea with what. Any thoughts on light fixtures, rugs, etc.? It is a hot mess. 
Well, guys, I'm going to try and describe this hot mess to you, but if you want, you can just head over to our YouTube channel, Affordable Interior Design at YouTube, and there you will see my engagement glow because I am getting a little more sleep now that I'm not trolling Trulia every night. And you will also see all of Alicia's beautiful pictures of her hot mess. Okay, so I'm going to click through them now as I'm giving you the advice. And just to describe it, so you have kind of like this gray stained or mid-tone wood floor that does have sort of an ashier tint than, say, something warm. And then in the seating area, you have a chair rail that's got some molding. And yes, you have kind of these two distinct zones in the room. One has a sectional with a three-quarter back which means that it does have a partial back on the short arm, but it doesn't have an arm to that partial back. So people could potentially sit there comfortably, but they wouldn't have an armrest. And then in the other area that you mentioned used to be the dining area, you've made it an additional seating space. But these are diagonal from each other, so it could be hard for them to interrelate because in between these two areas, there is like this kind of bar setup that's built in, which defines the spaces, even though it's an open concept, uh, as sort of separate and distinct. Additionally, the chair rail molding does that because chair rail molding, as we discussed in a previous episode, is typically in dining spaces, not typically in a living space. And then in the smack dab middle of the room, you have this bar area. And I can't tell if the bar area is connected to some kind of kitchen or if it's just sort of standalone. It does appear to have a kitchen application, and then there's like a fireplace tucked in the corner. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. One of my recommendations would be to convert that area if you're going to have function for it, that area that used to be the dining room, back to the dining room. I'm not fully understanding why someone would sit on this side of the room that's pretty far from the other side of the room where that comfortable seating faces the fireplace, is closer to the windows, just feels intuitively right and is larger, so can accommodate that sectional sofa much better. I don't understand 
why you would sit in this seating area as opposed to that one. And so whenever I have something, it's the same way I feel about a chair in a bedroom. Why would you sit in the chair when the bed is infinitely more comfortable? It has the nightstand where you can put your book and your drink. It has the comfortable place for you to put up your feet. So if you have a chair in the bedroom, you're going to have to find ways to make it more comfortable, like by adding an ottoman or adding an end table. And then that really starts to bulk up the space. So most people do not have room for, say, a king-size bed and also chair, ottoman, end table on the other side of their space. Um, so I would ask yourself, you know, what type of conversation is happening in this little alcove nook that wouldn't happen in the other area or that would need to happen at the same time, but be separate? And I think your answer would be not much, right? I could see if you made this into a very specific reading nook that had bookshelves and one chair, and this was like the, I'm away from the TV, I'm away from the fireplace, I'm isolated and having a different reading experience. I could see that, right? But as it is now, it just feels redundant. Like I said, I would convert this back into a dining space if you feel like that would be a function that you would actually use. If you don't feel like you would actually use a dining space, then that reading nook is also a possibility. You know, I don't want you to start buying things for this until you really determine what you're doing in here. And speaking of not buying things until you make some decisions, you need to decide on the style of the space. For me, I'm definitely getting a rustic vibe, which I think is working really well with the gray because those natural woods are kind of warming up the gray undertones. Uh, I do see what you mean about the walls being a little bluish, but you know, you do have that stone around the fireplace, which is decidedly gray and white. Um, so I would be looking with your paint fan to coordinate with the stone behind the fireplace. I'm not seeing a lot of warm pieces in that stone. It from these pictures, it does look like it's primarily white and gray. So I take my paint fan or take my paint swatches, hold them up next to that stone and pull out, you know, a color that you really like that's perhaps overall a little bit darker than the majority of the stone and that leans both gray and a little beige. So I would really color match it so that it makes this fireplace more of a feature rather than something that's just tucked away in the corner. Then with dogs, with kids, with sticky fingers, I definitely recommend not going too dark on the upholstery. So anything chocolate, navy, black is totally out because I can see every hair, every stain, every little thing. But as you know, anything too light should also be out. White, creams, ivories, those aren't going to work easily either. I like to go with those mid-tone neutrals You'll set the foundation for the paint, and then if it's skewing more gray, you'll do a slightly darker gray for the upholstery. Just don't go to that super dark charcoal sort of midnight gray. And if it does go more grayish, then you're going to pick something more mushroomy, more taupey for that sofa. And let me see here, because you had asked about sofa length. So let me just scroll through some of these pictures to get a better vantage point. I think it's hard to go too much bigger on either wall because on one wall, the long wall that's opposite the fireplace, you have that built-in bar that I was discussing. And I would really love you to have an end table on this side of the sofa. 
And then on the other arm, which is currently the shorter arm, you know, I really wouldn't want you to go much past that first window because you do need some kind of walkway to get to the fireplace. Now you don't need an end table on that arm, the arm that's against the window wall. I think you'll be just fine without it there, but I would definitely want you to have an end table on that other arm of the sofa, the longer arm. I think it will just help it to feel more formalized and not like there's just a couch over there, but more like there's a living area over there. There's more to do. There's more places to put things. I just think it'll feel more like a gracious home and less like the place where we plopped our big couch. Let me just scroll back through and see if there's anything else. Um, you know, for me, the space is getting a little bit visually heavy. Right, I like that the chandelier brings in some glass. I like that your pendants above the bar bring in some glass. One of my concerns is that in the space, we have a lot of silver metals and we have a lot of dark bronze or even black metals, but we have nothing that combines the two. So right now it feels like when I look one way, I have the silver. When I look the other way, I have the black metals. But I would really be looking for something, whether it's that chandelier over your dining table, because I do think you should replace the um, crystal bubble chandelier that's currently there. It's just way too high. It's a little too small. It's just not doing anything for the space. And you're right. If your style is not glam, this is not the piece for you. Uh, so when you're picking a chandelier or say when you're picking a lamp for on top of that end table next to the sofa arm, look for something that combines both the silver and the black metals, because that will make this space make visual sense to someone who's just glimpsing it. And also, I think it'll just look a little bit more interesting, complex, cohesive. I would also watch your wood usage in here. You have a huge wood coffee table, you have wooden bar stools, you have very prominent wooden floors. We're getting a lot of brown. I think the sectional is also taking me there and the leather ottomans and the jute rug. So there's just a ton of brown. Let's stop going to brown town. Let's infuse this place with a little bit of color, maybe a little bit of pattern. I love the art piece above the fireplace. It's like an oceanscape that has this really cool jetty or boardwalk. And it's got these teals and navies and grays. And I think it just really works so beautifully with the stone. If you pulled some color from there, I think that'd be a big help. Now we know that that can't ultimately be your inspiration piece because it really only features variations of blue. And we know we want multiple Roy G. Biv colors for that 60, 30, 10. So I do want you to keep searching for another piece, whether it's the rug, whether it's drapes, whether it's whatever that could help this space to have a color palette. Well, there you go, Alicia. I think you got a little more than you bargained for with that answer, but this place has so much potential and I just want to make sure that you and your design choices maximize that. So keep us posted. Let us know what you decide. My next question is coming all the way from Atlanta. Renee is writing in and you know what I love about Renee? Whenever I put a call out there that the mailbag is light or that I'm meeting some questions or just whenever I go to my computer looking for some inspiration, I can always count on some wonderful questions and illustrative pictures from Renee. So Renee, I see you. 
I see you. I have a couple people that write in all the time and I just love it because they're always posing new, interesting, complex challenges and they back it up with pictures so I can really understand what's going on. All right, Renee, you write, hi, Betsy. I thoroughly enjoyed your diary episode, but I hate to hear that you are out of questions. Our house built in the 70s is a wealth of questions. We love the wooded lot and we love the contemporary features. What would your ideal kitchen dining flooring be for this style of house? We recently realized that our cupboards are never going to be awesome because they're not scrubbable and the interiors were cheap when they were installed in 1981. Would tile be ideal? Should we try and match the oak and the rest of the house that also needs to be refinished? Right now we have Lumber Liquidator's cheapest laminate, but I think it looks funny next to the oak. It's all in the future, but I'd like to start wrapping my head around all the things that need to happen. Okay, so I completely agree with you that this cheap laminate does look cheap next to those beautiful oak floors. The oak floors, I just love this type of flooring because it's natural wood, it has variation, it's not trying too hard, it's like a two to three inch plank, it's just great. Versatile, can work with so many styles. Uh, love it, love it. That being said, the stain on that oak is kind of a yellow honey type stain. It's not my favorite. So I definitely think when you refinish those floors in time, you could choose something that's a little bit more of the moment, maybe like a ashy walnut or something like that. I'd need to know a little bit more about your style in order to best direct you on that finish. But definitely the honey is not in vogue right now. That being said, if we look in your kitchen area, you are mentioning those cheap cabinets, which hopefully you're going to replace sometime soon because if this is the forever home, I'd hate for you to live with cabinets that you can't really clean. But they are also wood and they are mid-tone or even a dark wood. And so now we've got three tones of wood within one kind of view, right? I've got these dark cabinets. I've got the cheap laminate, and then I've got the honey oak. It's not great. So what I definitely want you to do is if you don't have enough money to change out the cabinets, you know, if they're cheaply made, they probably won't hold on to paint very well. They might be a veneer or something where the paint will easily scratch even if you do apply it. I'm just not convinced that these cabinets are going to be worth the investment. And I think you will be, as you're planning out your projects, putting cabinet replacement on the list. And certainly that will help with resale, if not just day-to-day -day life. But I really hate it when we have so many wood grains touching, especially so many different types of wood grains, so many different color stains. And I'm still a big fan of a tiled kitchen. If your kitchen's anything like mine, it gets a lot of water. You know, there's always some kind of surprise, right? My dishwasher overflows, my kids spill, my dog's water gets knocked over and we don't notice it for six hours. I just don't want to have to worry about wood. Additionally, it gives me an opportunity to choose a new flooring because I have wood flooring throughout my whole house. So just to continue it in the kitchen doesn't create that definition that I really like because I don't love an open concept living dining for myself. 
living dining kitchen, I should say. I really love to be able to shut the doors on my kitchen because I love to listen to podcasts while I cook, and I do not ensure that those podcasts are kid-friendly. My favorite podcast that I listen to every night while I cook, it is the ultimate cooking podcast because... If you miss a couple details because the steak is sizzling or because the microwave went off or because the timer on the oven went off, oh goodness, Um, sorry about the home phone. Just imagine, guys, when I'm married to my new dream house, I'm not going to have a home phone in the stone cottage behind the house where my office will be. So this will not be a problem. For now, suboptimal conditions while the landscapers are lunching. Okay. Anyway, do tile. Do tile here. Now it's hard for me to tell you what color tile to do, what shape and size to do, because I just have these very zoomed in pictures. So I can't see your countertops. I can't see your other decor. Um, Oh, I was telling you about my favorite podcast. Yeah. So the thing I love about my current house is that there's a door that completely closes off the kitchen so that first of all, nobody can walk in there when I'm cooking. But second of all, I can listen to Keith and the Girl, which has all sorts of expletives, all sorts of questionable content that I love to listen to. But if the timer goes off, if the home phone rings, I'm not going to miss anything. I don't have to rewind. When I'm listening to my favorite true crime podcasts, I have to go back. Did I miss a clue? Who's that witness? What happened? Ugh, too much drama. So if you haven't listened to Keith and the Girl, please do. It is so fun and a little um, blue, just just warning you. Uh, so anyway, I'm not sure which way you should go, Renee, and you can always write in with another question, which I can count on you to do. But I do know that I would definitely not do any more wood for the kitchen flooring. Till next time, everyone. Bye. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com, click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.